You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie recommendations for whatever ails you. And sometimes we offer up TV recommendations, too, or questionable videos from the internet. <laughs> That's true. Those are mostly from you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, we are not real therapists. We are not real doctors, but we are real movie and TV critics. All right, Kristen, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, let's get to it. Our first letter is from Melissa. Melissa says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm going to be turning 40 soon. I know this should not be a big deal. I'm healthy. I'm educated. I'm employed. I have a great life brimming with love, but I can't help but think that at 40, my youth will really and truly be gone. My wild 20-something days will be far in the past, and my sexy social climbing 30s will also be behind me. According to pretty much every form of media, I may as well disappear from society until I'm old enough to be a grandmother, at which point I can dispense wisdom to younger and prettier people who are the main attraction. How can I stop seeing this birthday as a farewell to my past and maybe even as something good? Oh, boy. Melissa, uh, first of all, uh, congratulations for turning 40. Yes. Uh, Second of all, I'm way ahead of you. And uh, (laughs) this letter... (laughs) This letter, um, I'm just going to admit it. This letter touched a nerve um, uh, mm. with me so, so, so much. So I, I almost recused myself from uh, from movie therapy for this episode. What? Yeah, this is really this is this is sensitive. I got to point out to the listeners first, though, Rafer, you are over 40, but you still look 29 somehow. <laughs> so the fact that you can have any issue with what it's like to be over 40 when you look like you do, I, I don't know listen. how you do it. Like, you have a history of doing things like smoking and taking drugs, and you still look like that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. Um, You know, I still have most of my hair. I'm not uh, not fully gray yet. That's true. But, you know, listen, I am over 50. And this is... What? uh, Yes, I am. How did I lose track of that? Yes, Kristen. Oh, my God. 
Yes. Well, you know I'm over 40 now, right, Rafer? I know that you're over 40. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we were so young once, Kristen. Um, yeah, I remember that, but not really. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, listen, getting older and, you know, hitting these milestones, it's a huge deal. Um, and it really, it cuts to the core of who you are as a person in a lot of ways. And it really forces you to uh, grapple with some stuff. So, uh, Melissa, I understand. I definitely understand. Is this something that you have uh, any issues with, Kristen? I don't really feel like you would. Well, or do you? Well, I gotta say, I think it's different for women than men. I do think that I became slightly more invisible right around the time I turned 40. Okay. And not that I want to be catcalled constantly, but the catcalling went from like uh, level 10, maybe down to level 7 okay. after I turned 40. <laughs> and I don't know how much of that was like mentally in my own head and how much it was just like, oh, look at that used up old lady. I don't want to talk about her butt anymore. <laughs> Um, I, I have no idea. But but yeah, I definitely also, you know, the older I got, the less I saw myself reflected in media, which let's be clear, there's almost no Asian women in media anyway. But then uh, that's a good point. There's definitely not any Asian women over 40 in media. That's for sure. Yeah. Unless you are playing that elderly grandmother in a foreign film that Melissa is writing about. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I do think society... We don't necessarily look at aging as something to be excited about. True. We don't necessarily see it as something to congratulate people for, but it's a huge deal. What's the alternative to be dead? Yeah. And I don't know about you, Rafer, but I feel happier now than I did when I was, you know, 20. Oh, my God. I would never want to be back in high school again. I would never want to be 20 again. Well, that's for sure. And I don't know if this happened to you, Rafer, but right around the time I turned 40, something totally changed in me where have you heard the term of fuck it 40s no <laughs> i have not you reach your 40s and it's just like fuck it who cares fuck that yeah okay who cares <laughs> did that happen to you when you turned 40 no but i th I know what you're talking about in terms of um n no longer caring so much about what people think um things yes, like that. that that definitely happened to me yeah that kind yes. of stuff that kind of stuff uh there is that that is one of the good things about uh getting older and you do sort of realize why um why very old people will just say incredible shit to you that you just can't believe about you know about the way you look or like <laughs> so, just you know you know how they'll do that they'll just say something like wow you really put on some weight or whatever and you think like yeah. well i guess that's what happens you just the filter comes off and you just say whatever the hell you think because why not well, so maybe you're right, Kristen. There is some joy to not worrying so much about what other people think anymore. I mean, I feel like I wasted too many of my years worrying about what other people thought of me. And it really was great to hit this point where I'm like, oh, sure, it doesn't matter. Screw you. Right. I'm fine. And <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you think. I exactly. give zero fucks about what you think about me. <laughs> um, and I got to say, this other thing happened when I turned 40 also, which was I reached this level of respect in my industry that I feel like I didn't have before I turned 40, mm -hmm. where people started taking me a lot more seriously. I also want to say something else just really quickly, Melissa, because you mentioned in your letter, like, the sexy years and the, you know, <laughs> care for youth and so on. There's plenty of sex to be had after 40. I just want to make this clear. <laughs> sex doesn't go away just because you turn 40. True that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kristen, do you have a movie recommendation for Melissa? Yes, I do. And Rafer, I think you might ridicule me a little bit for this because, okay. you know, I've always had a soft spot for, uh, what are they called? Septuagenarians? Septu septuagenarians? What is that? Now, that's uh, 70 or is that 60? Um, I 
I don't know, but I love I love <laughs> movies and TV shows with women of retirement age and older. Of course. I have yes. always loved that kind of content, whether it was back in the day growing up watching The Golden Girls yep. or watching some of the movies that have come out more recently with people like Jane Fonda. I love watching an older lady have a great time, own her life, wear fashionable clothes, have sex, do all the things that I hope that I keep doing the older I get. So the movie I'm going to recommend as a good starter for this kind of media is a 2018 movie called The Book Club. It stars Jane Fonda, who I just mentioned, Diane Keaton, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen. They're four friends. They have a book club. And they decide that they are going to read Fifty Shades of Grey, which from the get-go, you know, they kind of make fun of. And the book inspires them to take a new view of their personal relationships and to make changes for the better in their lives. Here's a clip. I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh. Oh, no. Well, it was a bestseller made into a movie. Oh, and that is our theme this year. We are not reading this. It's my month. When it's your month, you can choose whatever boring, depressing book you want. To to even be holding this book is embarrassing. Who's judging you, your cat? I do like the idea of a romance. We are too old. But it says right here, for mature audiences. Oh, yeah, that certainly sounds like us. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. Well, from what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. Oh, God. Come on. Let's toast to our new book. All right. Voice that flash. Happy reading, ladies. Okay, Christian, I am going to ridicule you just a little bit (laughs) about about book club. (laughs) I knew you would. Although, you know what? I will say this. Um... When Book Club came out, I I think what sort of there was a stumbling block that I just sort of couldn't get over about this about this movie, which was you've got these four smart, really smart female actors and who I'd sort of grown up with in a way. I mean, they were all already, you know, older women, even when I was, you know, a young moviegoer. But I always thought of them as these really smart adult women. And I just thought, Diane Keaton's not going to read Fifty freaking shades of gray. Candace Bergen's not going to read this crap. Have you read that book? Oh my god, it's a travesty. It's horrible. It's and I a just terrible get book. Over it. It's so oh, bad. God, that book is so bad. And and so I kind of couldn't get over that. But you know what? In retrospect, I do think that the movie is. It's less about that stupid book, and it's it's more about these women who do have a sense of humor about the book. You're right. Uh, and they basically are, in some ways, kind of like a, a sort of a post-retirement Sex in the City crew, right? Mary Steenburgen yes. is kind of the she's kind of the Kristen Davis uh, yes. character, right? And you know, and it's you know, one's kind of a little a little randier than the others. Yeah, Candace Bergen's definitely the Miranda there. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, and the other thing I remember about it, even though I was mostly not a fan of the of the of the movie, I do remember the um, the men were pretty good too. Don Johnson, right? And um, yes, Don Johnson's hilarious. Right, he's really good, and Andy Garcia is really good. I think Andy Garcia oh, yes. gets together with Jane Fonda. Maybe I kind of can't remember he, who he he's gets together sexy with. I remember in this him movie. being really good. 
at, listen, Andy Garcia. I love Andy Garcia. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, listen, it's a light and fluffy movie. And, and I think you're right. I think this movie was made in a way for women of that age so that they could see themselves on screen. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And I like to think made for women my age as well and Melissa's age who can see this kind of movie and see, you know what? The best days aren't behind us. They might be in front of us. They might be right. 40 years down the road. And I'm looking forward to being 80 years old if this is what I get to do. Right, right, exactly. But, Rafer, um, now that you uh, have expressed a little bit of um, dismay with my choice, I'm curious about (laughs) why your choice is better. I'm going to recommend a slightly slightly more serious movie. Um, It's a movie that I'm not sure how many people even have heard of this. It's Wendy from earlier this year. Uh, from 2020. It was released, as you as you might guess why you haven't heard of it, it was released on February 28th, uh, you know, sort of just in oh, time. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> what a terrible time to right. release a movie. Uh, right. Oh my uh, I think it appeared at Sundance. Fox Searchlight picked it up, you know, February 28th release. And then, you know, that's the last we ever heard of Wendy. But this is the second feature from a, a guy named Ben Zeitlin. Uh, he's a young filmmaker from New York, uh, but he lives in, and makes movies in New Orleans. Uh, for some reason, his kind of inner compass just sort of took him there. And this is a retelling of the Peter Pan story from the perspective of Wendy, the older sister. And it begins, again, in New Orleans in the South, uh, or at least somewhere in the South. Uh, it begins in a rundown little town near some train tracks where Wendy's mom runs this greasy spoon diner. Wendy's mom is a pretty beaten down woman. You know, she had some dreams. She gave up on them. And Wendy's got this kind of a sense of dread that this is her future, that she's going to be her mom. And when she looks around at the old people in this town, she starts thinking that growing old is something to fear. And so uh, one night, she and her brothers sneak out of the house. They hop onto a train, which takes them to a boat, which takes them to an island where they meet Peter. And it's the island where children never grow old. This is where lost boys go when they're really lost. All children grow up. But some, the wild ones, the ones with a light in their eye, escape. I confess I did not see this movie and didn't even know about it until just this moment. <laughs> but I I do remember the director, Ben Zeitlin, being just one of Hollywood's biggest sweethearts after making Beasts of the Southern Wild a few years ago. Exactly. That's right. That's the one that got uh, also, again, shot in, shot in the South, shot around New Orleans. Uh, that's the one with uh, Quivins and A. Wallace, the little girl, mm-hmm. nine years old, youngest Oscar nominee in history, um, non-professional actor. And, and Zeitlin uses non-professional actors here as well, older and younger. I remember when I first read about the movie and saw the title and and understood the premise, I thought, oh, this is going to be sort of a girl power angle, you know, maybe a little sort of a feminist angle on the story. And that is in there. You know, it's all you're all you're seeing this whole thing play out through Wendy's eyes. And the actress is a, a girl named Devin France, who's really interesting. She's got these really great, ferocious eyes. But for me, the movie turned out to be less about youth and childhood and more about growing up and growing old. And there are people in this movie who do grow old and they're not happy about it. 
and the children on the island don't want anything to do with it. And these scenes really, um, they really got to me. <laughs> they really got, and they got to me so much so that at some point I got, I got about halfway through the film and I thought, okay, you guys, I get it. Growing old sucks. You're not just going to leave me here with that, are you? Like, there's a there's a message here, right? And sure enough, there is. And I think what you start to realize is that these characters are growing old in the wrong way, that they are resisting it and they are fighting it uh, mm. and they're not embracing it. And I don't want to spoil too much because this movie is such a total reinvention of the Peter Pan myth and it has so many great moments uh, and so much wisdom in it, like a really surprising amount um, that I don't want to spoil too much. But the one thing that I, the one thing it reminded me of was an old Zen proverb that I, I read about recently. I, I admit to you, I originally I thought David Bowie had said it because <laughs> because <laughs> that's the first place I read it. And I just and I believe that David Bowie has said all great and wise things. But it turns <laughs> out that it's, that it's an old Zen proverb. And the proverb is let go or be dragged. And that really hit me. That really, really hit me. And and apparently you can see this proverb like on, you know, corporate motivational posters and all kinds of places. But (laughs) for whatever reason, it really hit me. And I I felt that in this film, this idea that, you know, if you if you don't let go of those sexy social climbing 30s, if you don't let go of those freewheeling 20s, they are going to drag you down. And you're going to cling to them until they drag you down. You've got to move forward and look at life as an adventure and see what other roles you can play and what other jobs you can fulfill and what else you might become. And I saw that in this movie and I thought it was really, um, it really, it, it, it struck me very deeply. So Melissa, I hope it can do the same for you. Wow. Rafer, just hearing you talk about it makes me feel like excited to grow older. That was beautiful. I love that. It's great. It's, it's a really good movie. So yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope it helps. So our two very different recommendations uh, from Kristen, Book Club, and from me, Wendy. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, reminder, we love it when you give us stars, lots of stars in your reviews for us in Apple Podcasts. So go in there. Go into Apple Podcasts. Give us some nice stars. Um, Also, write some nice words if you want to do that. And of course, write to us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. If you are in need of some movie therapy, you do not need to use your real name. You can also fill out the contact form at raferandkristen.com or tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. Stay with us. When we're back, we have somebody who needs to move and is not excited about it. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you.
Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, do you want to read this one? Yes, I will. This one is from Joshua, and Joshua says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, the lease on my apartment is expiring soon, at which point my landlords say I'll need to move out so they can loan the apartment to their adult child who has lost his job. I know they're in a tough spot, but so am I. Moving is tough enough during regular circumstances. It's even tougher in a city like mine where the pandemic has reached a fever pitch. The idea of house hunting in the middle of this is scary and exhausting. How can I get up my motivation to start the hunt and maybe even see this as an adventure? That is tough. And I know a few people who've moved during the pandemic in New York. Oh, Um, do you? Wow. Fortunately, knock wood, uh, we seem to be past the fever pitch point in Brooklyn. I I don't want to say that too loudly, though, because we don't know what's going to happen in the coming weeks or months. I know. I know. um, Yeah, in a lot of the country right now, it is just out of control. Like my sister in Arizona, friends in Texas, they are painting a picture that sounds like the apocalypse where they live. It's really, really bad right now. So the friends that have moved, I will say this, um, some of them did the looking at the apartments they moved into through like a Zoom call or through a virtual tour with a real estate agent. And um, that way they didn't necessarily have to go into another space. Um, Other people I know just really were conscientious to mask up, bring lots of hand sanitizer, um, make sure the real estate agent also had a mask on and so on. And, um, you know, practiced all of the safety that they could because, you know, we're still in a pandemic. We got to be safe, right? Yep. But yep. So I know people who've done it, Joshua, I know it sucks, but it can be done. And it can be done with safety measures. Um, All that being said, I don't think moving has to be that bad. I know it's expensive. I know packing is the worst. I know unpacking is even worse than the packing. In my opinion, unpacking is even worse than the packing. I know it all sucks. But I think it can also be an adventure. I think it can be fun. I think it can be great to fantasize about, you know, having a different layout, having a different neighborhood, having new neighbors. You know, what is my new corner coffee shop going to be? What's the best bar in my new neighborhood going to be? It's fun to think about those things sometimes. So it doesn't have to just be horrible. How do you feel about this, Rafer? Yeah, I feel exactly the same. I mean, I'm uh, in sort of the opposite situation. I would really like to move, but I feel like I can't. Um, You know, I'm in a very small apartment with two kids and my wife, um, and we outgrew it a long time ago. And uh, we were really (laughs) thinking about moving at some point. And then the pandemic hit. And, you know, the real estate market is kind of um, 
sort of it's sort of frozen, I would say. It's kind of stuck in place, it seems mm-hmm. to me. Um, renting, I think, may be a different, might be a slightly different game. Um, but I do know that a lot of people, uh, at least here in New York, have um, have bailed, moved out, just sort of like yes. dropped their leases and just taken off. Um, so who knows? There might be some actual deals out there. Um, but I would, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I would love to move right now if I could. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rafer, what are you going to recommend to Joshua to help him get motivated or even see this move as an adventure right now? Well, uh, Joshua, I'm going to recommend an old classic movie from 1967 called Barefoot in the Park. And this is an old... (gasps) Neil Simon, rest in peace. Yes, Neil Simon, exactly. Uh, And this uh, this is just a little sweet, cute little romantic comedy uh, based on his play. Um, And the reason I suggest it is because it takes place almost entirely in the first apartment of a newly married couple played by uh, Jane Fonda, again. We did not plan that. (laughs) I know we did not. I know, that's right. Uh, And the couple is Jane Fonda and Robert Redford. And uh, they're here in New York City. I think their apartment is in Greenwich Village. And, you know, it's one of those funny things, right? Like nowadays, the only married couples who could afford, you know, their first apartment in Greenwich Village would be, you know, the Zuckerbergs. But uh, this is the old (laughs) days, right? The 60s. Uh, he's a lawyer. I don't think she has a job. And she spends much of the first part of the movie basically kind of getting the apartment ready, answering the door for the phone guy, for the furniture guy, all these different handymen. Um, and the running gag in the movie is that they're in a fifth floor walk up uh, and all these people can barely make it up the stairs. So they, they climb up to the stairs like, you know, to... They're on their last legs. By the time they get to the top, they're panting. They can barely speak. Here's a brief scene with Jane Fonda and the phone installer, played by a guy named Herb Edelman. Whew. What? You're really going to live up here, huh? I mean, every day. Every day. I hope that's the man with the furniture. I don't want to see this. Lord and Taylors. Oh. Uh, up here, top floor. Oh, my God. Well, just put them down anywhere. I know, I know. Now, Rafer... I have to say, this is a delightful movie. Oh, good. And that apartment is almost like its own character in the movie. Yes. And if you've ever lived in a small apartment, it's also fun to see how does Jane Fonda decorate it? How does she lay out the furniture? How does she make this tiny space livable? There is not enough room to walk around the bed in their bedroom, which is probably like four feet wide by six feet long. Their bedroom right. is like hilariously accurate for a New York apartment. Totally. It's hilarious. It, lo- it looks exactly like the kind of apartment you would have. It's got this, and it's, it's as I remember too, it's got this weird raised kitchen. Like the kitchen is, is like up, right? It's yes. like a split level. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's so classically weirdly New York. Yeah. And it, it's, yes. yeah, it's great. And I, and that's one of the things that I that's that's one of the reasons I I, I recommended it because it's it's this just like you're saying it's a new po- it's a new apartment it's all possibilities and it's all what are we going to do where is the couch going to go how are we going to fix that hole in the skylight you know it's it's <laughs> it's you know it's winter in New York City um, you know so I just thought maybe it would kind of put you in the mood to you know see a place where there are still possibilities left and you could kind of look forward to a new start love it Rafer. 
Love it. Oh, I'm glad. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say it was dated and corny, Kristen. But I'm glad. I'm glad no, you said that. So cute. It's such a cute movie. And so, Kristen, what about you? All right, I am gonna go with something that's a little more middle of the road. Okay. I'm not ashamed to say it. I love HGTV, and I love a show on HGTV that's called House Hunters, which is, ah. if you don't have HGTV, you can watch House Hunters on Hulu. They have hundreds of episodes there. If you've never heard of it, which I would be surprised if you hadn't heard of it, I'm sure you have, um, you get to watch singles, couples, families. And this year, for the first time ever, last month, they even had a thruple searching for their dream house or their dream apartment. And you just watch them go to three different locations. Like, oh, here's house number one. Here's house number two. Here's house number three. And you listen to them uh, get excited. You laugh at them as they complain about really dumb, petty things like, I don't like the color of this door on the bathroom. Like they'll actually have just like the dumbest complaints. Um, It's great to listen to them fight with each other over how much they can afford. But They all come from different races, different backgrounds. Uh, They have different motivations for moving. It may be because they're expecting a child or it may be because they're getting a divorce. You never know. Ah. And every episode is a joy because they're really almost, in a way, um, starting their life new. But each house means a different way they could start their life new, if that makes sense. And I just love watching the show and betting with whoever I'm watching it with before the final reveal which are they going to choose? Here's a clip. So now their agent, Marjorie, has lined up a place she thinks will appeal to both of them. I like this style. Yeah. I like this traditional style. Yeah, I kind of like the color. It reminds me of the stuck a little bit. Yeah, it does. Hi, Good. Marjorie. Good doing? to see you. You too. I have a beautiful home to show you. Great. It has four bedrooms. Okay. Three and a half baths. Nice. It's about 4,100 square feet. It wow. lists for $899,000. Come on, Marjorie. It's, this is crazy. It's, it's been Kristen, can I just backtrack? Did you say a thruple? Thruple, yes. That's a three people. Uh, uh, yes. In other words, like a, what we used to call a polyamorous? Yes, yes. That, I see. Yes. That's awfully forward-looking. Yeah. I mean, they have all sorts of couples on there. They have gay couples. They have straight couples. They have thruples. They have it all. And I'll be darned. Yeah. And I've always loved that. <laughs> I've loved it from day one. Um, I know some people who are gay that just like to watch the gay episodes. I know some people who, uh-huh. you know only want to watch episodes that take place in the South because they're in the South. Um, Episodes take place all over the U.S. Every kind of person on the hunt, every kind of location, every kind of home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just great. It's such a joy to watch. And I think it will, Joshua, make you feel excited watching all of these people go through their fresh starts and in some cases being mad at them for choosing the wrong house or being (laughs) mad at them because they spent way too much money on something stupid. But you'll have a great time and you'll think, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find the house of my dreams or the apartment or whatever it is that you're looking for. And I'm going to have an adventure and it's going to be a great place full of possibilities. I love it, Kristen. That sounds that sounds like just the ticket. I think I I think yours is a great suggestion too. <laughs> so once again, from Rafer, his recommendation for Joshua is Barefoot in the Park, and mine is HGTV's House Hunters, which you can watch on Hulu. All right, we're going to take another quick break, but before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Write to us at rayfriendkristen at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. Yeah, you can be Mr. McThruple if you would like to, or <laughs> Madam McThruple if you like, or the other Madam McThruple. You know, any of those. 
Stay with us when we're back. We have our What Should I Watch Next segment of the week. We are back with this week's What Should I Watch Next letter. And I think this is a pretty relatable one right now in America, Rafer, wouldn't you say? Yes, indeed. Yes. This one comes from Talia. Talia says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, like a lot of Americans, I'm currently swept up in Hamilton fever. As soon as the movie hit Disney+, Plus, I hit play, and I've been hitting play every day ever since. I'm worried that eventually all this repeat viewing will result in me not appreciating all of Hamilton's greatness or in driving my wife away, who's quickly reaching her saturation point. <laughs> I think I need to start mixing in some other movies, but I'm not sure which ones. Help. What should I watch next? Oh, Talia. <laughs> <laughs> A big Hamilton fan. I know so many people who are going through this right now. One of my friends, Celeste, she watched it three times in three days. Oh, wow. And then I have not asked her since then how many more times she's watched it. But I know a lot of people who are swept up in Hamilton fever right now. And you probably know this, Ray, for Disney Plus in the three-day weekend of the 4th of July in America – they had a 76% increase in Disney Plus subscriptions just because people wanted to watch Hamilton. I've heard that the numbers were amazing. Um, yeah, and you know, Disney being a streamer, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the numbers that you get from streaming platforms, you kind of have to take them at their word. There's no way to verify this, but I think it's mm -hmm. safe to say that the thing has been a huge hit. I watched it. I thought it was really good. I'd never seen Hamilton on Broadway, um, so this was my first uh, exposure to it. Again, probably like a lot of Americans, this is probably going to be certainly for the foreseeable future, this is going to be the way that I, I will have seen Hamilton. You know, I mean, yeah. Broadway's gone. Who knows when it's going to reopen? Um, so this was my Hamilton experience probably for uh, for at least several years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, and I can understand why, um, why there's been so much buzz on it. Yeah. And it was perfect timing. I mean, it was originally supposed to come out in 2021, yeah. but Disney Plus moved it up. They thought it would be a good release for the 4th of July weekend. They were absolutely right about that. Yep. It is the story of our founding fathers. It's the story of our first Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton, who was an immigrant. Uh, for people who are not familiar with the story, it um, talks about his rise in America after immigrating here through the Revolutionary War, through the formation of the U.S. government, and also all of the mistakes he made, the scandals, the really dumb toxic masculinity that possibly led to his death, um, yep. the ways that he was possibly not the best husband. Um, I think it shows a founding father in a more fully fleshed out form than we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And then also, it's a very multicultural cast. And all of the right. music is contemporary. It's a mixture of rap, of um, R&B, um, a little bit of old-fashioned musical kind of Broadway music thrown in as well. Yep. And I'm a big fan of it. And Rafer, I'm really glad that you liked it as someone who did not see the Broadway show. I did see the Broadway show. And oh, so I felt that maybe I was not the right person to even comment on the movie because I'm like, of course, I love this movie. I saw the play and it's like the play. But it's good to hear someone right. who didn't see the play who actually really enjoyed the movie as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I was I was really I, I, I could I could finally see what everybody was talking about. Um, and it's pretty extraordinary that Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, wrote everything, not just the music or the book. He just he's the writer. He wrote it. And yes. that's 
a pretty incredible thing. <laughs> and uh, and aside from also being in it, but um, yeah. yeah, no, it's an extraordinary piece of work, and it was and it was great to see. And it's interesting because there aren't that many things out there quite like Hamilton. And so I'm very curious, Kristen, to see what you're going to suggest. Well, I was thinking a lot about Talia's wife in this situation. Yes. <laughs> and because of Talia's wife, I deliberately did not choose another historic musical. I okay. am a big musical fan, and there are other are. historic musicals out there, you know, the big ones like Les Mis, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, and so on. There are other historic musicals that I could have chosen, but I don't want this couple to break up over this. <laughs> you don't need to break up over this. So let's ease into something a little bit more contemporary that's still multicultural, that was still considered quite innovative for its time. And that is a movie called Rent that came out in 2015. Sure. It is based on a stage musical from the 1990s. If you're not familiar with it, Rent came out um, approximately 100 years after Puccini's La Boheme mm -hmm. and is pretty much the same story. It's the story of some young New York creatives who are struggling with their careers and their love lives. And they're very, very poor. They're barely able to scrape by or pay their rent. And notably, they're dealing with the effects of the AIDS epidemic in their community, which is, in addition to being very mixed race, also includes trans people, gay people, people who are struggling with drug addiction and so on. And I am going to play here probably its most famous song. Did you ever see Rent? Yes, I did see the movie. Um, and I remember liking it. And I remember liking the, again, the kind of, um, I love I love anything that's kind of bohemian. I'm a real sucker for that. Mm -hmm. Like any anything, yeah. you know, it, it, frankly, I think that's one of the reasons that I love the Aristocats so much, the Walt, the Walt <laughs> Disney movie. <laughs> because there's that scene where like all the all the jazz cats are up in the apartment having a party, yeah. and I just always I just always feel like cool. I wish I was at that party. Um, <laughs> and so, somewhat the same with Rent. Uh, you know, again, it's it's a, a, clearly a more serious subject. There's more serious issues going on. I don't know, Kristen, if you've ever watched Pose, the FX. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, it 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 does in a, in a it's in the a, same era. It's the same era, and it does have in a in its in its way. 
that kind of that sense of you know this was this was a a, a serious and difficult time, but also kind of exciting. And there's a little bit of a nostalgia for it, which is not to minimize anybody's you know the, all the things that were going on and the discrimination that was happening and and you know um, and the deaths that were happening because of the government's refusal to acknowledge this thing. Not to minimize that, but there is a sense of excitement, putting up a fight, being part of something, and being sort of alive at a at a at a crucial moment in time. And having people around you that you love and that you like to be around, um, and there's something kind of fun and kind of nostalgic about it in a in a in a way. Um, and I so I remember liking this movie. Oh, good, good. I'm I'm glad you liked it too. And Talia, I think you and your wife will be able to watch this, and she won't be angry at you. She won't be like, oh, another musical. <laughs> I do think that both of you will be able to watch this together. And you know, who knows what'll happen? Maybe you'll accidentally catch rent fever, which. Back in the day when people had rent fever. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, my God. It was tough. Everybody who was on the subway train was singing solos from Rent. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, there the was song, rent fever everywhere. The song that you played, I mean, there's, 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 a, there's still a little part of me that just goes, oh, Jesus, not that song again. Because people were, you know, people, teenagers were constantly breaking out into it, you know, on the street, yes. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, warning morning, Talia, you may catch rent fever, but at least you can rotate your fevers. Hamilton fever one day, right. rent fever the next, back and forth, back and forth. That's right. <laughs> but Reefer, what are you going to suggest here to Talia? Okay, I'm going to suggest a movie that is somewhat similar. It's not technically a musical, though. It's a movie from 2015, which is the same year that Hamilton first appeared. Uh, and that movie is from Spike Lee, and it's called Chirac. And Talia, I don't know if you saw it. I don't feel like that many people did. It's the story of two gangs in Chicago who are killing each other uh, with handguns, and there seems to be no stopping it, no way out, until the women of Chicago organize a sex strike. Basically, nobody gets any loving until the violence stops. Or, as the movie says, this is the movie's joke, not mine, no peace, no peace. Ah. Here's a clip. Yo, tired dicks just want a Viagra poke. Dude, this is about life and death, about a community that's a wreck. And you want to sit here and talk about how women behave? Fool, we trying to free these slaves. Slaves to the madness, slaves to this violence. <laughs> and what, you just want us to silence? We gonna make sure these fools put down these guns and stop thinking that this craziness is fun. You see, we women... We understand that life is about more than polishing your knobs. Saving lives, that's our job. It's about bringing an end to this strife and giving the hood the true meaning of life. Now, Rafer, isn't this based on the Lysistrata? That is right. It's based on the old Greek uh, play by Aristophanes. Uh, and in fact, the heroine of the film is called Lysistrata. And most people in this film, aside from the fact that they are in gangs, they are in they have names like the Spartans and they have names like Homer and things like that. So it's it's somewhat, <laughs> you know, it's somewhat accurate. This is a really it's an extremely wacky movie. It, it, it may be Spike Lee at his wackiest. What's interesting to me about it uh, is that I don't know if it was necessarily inspired by Hamilton. There are so many similarities to it, right? That it's 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 based on a kind of a his, not maybe not a historical figure, but it's based on a historical play that was about the real Peloponnesian War. So it's got this historical basis. Um, it's got this multicultural cast. Uh, Hip hop plays a, a large part in it. And all the dialogue, at least most of the dialogue, rhymes, not just when people are doing sort of mm -hmm. a musical number, but just when they're speaking, their conversation is in rhyme, um, much like Hamilton. Hamilton 
Hamilton premiered in February of 2015, then moved to Broadway later that year. And uh, Chirac came out in December of that year. So I don't know if Hamilton necessarily influenced this. You would have had to make that movie pretty quick if you had mm-hmm. caught Hamilton fever by then. I think more likely it was just sort of something in the air, this idea of kind of like hip hop ising history. Uh, so I was hoping that this movie might be similar enough that it uh, to Hamilton, but not be Hamilton. And it would give you a little something more in the mix. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, Rafer. I've only seen clips and the clips I've seen are beautiful. Yeah, they're great looking. Spike Lee has got such a way with framing, with color. I know. Everybody looks fantastic. He's just a beautiful filmmaker. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Good, good. So once again, our recommendations are from me, Chirac, and from Kristen, Rent. Well, Rafer, I think it's time that we stop this podcast and go off and sing somewhere. (laughs) Why don't we just, like, stand in the streets and start singing now? Let's go barefoot in the park, you and I, Kristen. We could do it. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll go barefoot in the park and we'll sing some songs from Rent. And then everybody will social distance from us because they'll be so mad. They certainly would. (laughs) We'd clear the park out like that. (laughs) I guess that's just my way of saying it's time to say goodbye to this week's episode of movie therapy (laughs) remember please rate us and review us in apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and please tell your friends about our show it really does help a lot until next time i'm kristen meinzer and i'm rafer guzman thanks so much for listening bye bye (laughs) 